morning, everyone. Strip it down. Took off the mask. Took off my glasses. Last time I preached, I tried to preach with my glasses on, and they were supposed to help me, but everything was like really blurry. So I'll try it today without the without the glasses. So we're talking about standing fearless, and last week. Uh, we started this new series called Stand Fearless, and we began to ask the question, what will it take for you and what will it take for me to stand fearless in the days that we live and as we move into an uncertain future? And Erica started the series last week talking about how faith plays a huge role in standing fearless. Now, the book of Hebrews gives a great testimony to this. In chapter 11, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it's the evidence of things that we cannot see. And in that chapter, if you look at it, all of the great conquests of God's people, all of the great exploits that were done for the kingdom of God started with faith. And it was really simple. They believed God. They believed what he said. They weren't perfect people like you and I are not perfect people. But they trusted and they obeyed and they watched as God did miracle after miracle after miracle. And they saw the hand of God move in and through them despite any of their circumstances. So for us to be able to stand in our position of spiritual authority, Christ has given us this authority, first of all. He's asking us to live a lifestyle of faith. And that's what every child of God is called to today because faith is the fuel of the christian life without faith the bible says it's impossible to please god and the bible talks about what jesus did to get us into that position when it says in uh, colossians 2 13 to 15 says when you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh god made you alive with christ he forgave all of your sins he didn't forgive some of them he forgave all of them having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. You see, once we were condemned, but he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Praise God. So this week we're going to be talking about the second part of standing fearless, which is called knowing God is in control. Let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, Lord. God, for without it, we would be dead still in our sin, Lord. God, there'd be no hope for us. But yet, Lord, you saw us. You didn't forget about us. God, you came, you died on a cross, you forgive us all of our sins, and you made us right with you. God, that we might be able to walk and have relationship with you. So, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that I speak your word, God, that you give me. God, that... You would open to people's hearts and minds. God, we come against anything that would try to put them to sleep, anything that would try to break them down, anything that would try to raise up the strong men within them to say that I won't listen. Father, we pray against these things in the name of Jesus. Satan, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus, not upon our own power, but by the name of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and who finished everything that you were trying to do. So, Father, we ask now that you would come, and God, that you would touch the hearts of your people. God, that I might disappear, and Lord, that you'll be able to talk to your people, because Lord, I can't say anything to these people that are going to change their lives. It takes the living and active word of God to do that. So we thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. 
So Isaiah 41, 13, a very small verse. We're going to make some references to some other verses, but if you go to Isaiah 41, 13, it says this, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Now, when we were young, a lot of us took safety in holding the hands of our parents when we had to go somewhere where there was danger. And I remember this particular time when Bradley was four years old. And we had to go down to the city center mall one day. And as we had to go to the city center mall, he knew that he had to hold my hand. And he knew that there was safety and security in holding my hand because we had to go through a lot of different scenarios. We had to go through passing traffic and through parking lots. And we had to you know, go through uh, trucks that were there for deliveries and all these different things. And it was in his best interest to stay close to dad. It really was. He didn't always like to hold my hand. A lot of you that had kids, they always try to pull away. They don't want to hold your hand sometimes. And one of these times, as we get down to the, uh, to the city center mall, we got on the elevator, and we had to go up to the fourth floor. And somewhere between the first floor and the fourth floor, Bradley thought that it would be good for him to let go of Dad's hand. He thought that it would be good for him to rebel. He thought in his little mind he was able to navigate without dad's directives. So while we were going up, the elevator doors open, which sometimes they do because sometimes other people want to get on between floors. The doors open and Bradley steps out. And when he stepped out, I was trying to take a look at what floor we were on. And it was too late for me to come back to say, Bradley, it just happened really fast. The doors closed. And when the doors closed, Bradley and I found ourselves separated. And that's what sin does. It separates. Now, you see, there was two elevators side by side. And I knew that he's probably going to get on one of them. I'm going up to the fourth floor. He's somewhere between the first and, and fourth. I don't know where he is. He's four years old. So I decided I'm praying. And I was like, God, I'm just going down to the first floor. And I'm going to see if he's there or what, what's happening. So I get down to the first floor. As the doors open, there's a man there. And the man says, are you looking for a small child? I said, oh, my goodness, I am. And he said, he's down standing in the middle of the mall, crying, confused, and looking pretty hopeless. So I tell you, when I saw my son and when he saw me, he came running into my arms. And he knew that he was back safe in the arms of his father that would protect him and that would keep him and that would guide him. And he was very comforted to know that dad was now back in control. But you see... In that story, one simple act of rebellion, one simple act of rebellion stole his peace, stole his joy, stole his safety, and it stole his confidence. One simple act of rebellion. And it replaced it with sadness, weeping, fear, and hopelessness. He was standing there all by himself. Even though there were so many people around him, he had no more sense of navigation. He didn't know where he was, what he was doing. He had no hope for tomorrow, really. And it's no different for us as God's children. When we decide that we're going to let go of God's hand, that we're not going to believe his promises, that we're going to rank the Almighty God as equal with all other idols, we exchange our God-given authority and our testimony of the greatness and the goodness of God, and we, 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 we exchange it for a form of godliness. Like the Bible says, it's a form of godliness, but it has no power and it has no authority to help you in the time of trouble or the day of trouble 
And we become like the children of Israel in Isaiah 1 that says, Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children, and I brought them up, but they've rebelled against me. They've forsaken the Lord. They turned their backs on him. And it goes on to say, your whole head is injured, and your whole heart is afflicted. In other words, it means this. You thought it good to let go of my hand. I was guiding you, and I was watching you. I was watching over you, and I wanted to help you in your way. And because you forfeited your God-given authority to stand fearless by faith and believe in the promises that I've set out for you all the way through the word, you're now struggling with an oppressed mind, bogged down with fears and plagued with this sense of hopelessness. And in verse 7 of that same chapter, it says, Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before your eyes, laid waste as when overthrown by a stranger. And, and it's a strange, it's, it's a sad picture, really. It's a sad picture of what God's people had become. When they decided to make their own rules, when they decided to make their own choices in life and not follow God's ways. You see, God had called them. He called them specifically to be a beacon of light to outsiders. And now all of a sudden their land is just being laid bare. And I think sometimes our minds... I know my mind has been there at times where it's gripped and it's turned to believe lies about God. You know that somehow that God is not in control. Somehow God doesn't see me. That somehow he's forgotten you. Even though he promised that he's not going to forget about you. And because of it, what happens is we, we begin to walk this way and our, our enemies, they, they simply begin to walk all over us. They begin to destroy and break down the families. They begin to work on our marriages. They begin to tear down the communication between people, from, between man and husband. And they're really looking to destroy that marriage couple. They work on destroying our faith and our joy. And they take part of our strength. But it was never meant to be. It was never, ever meant to be. The children of God were called to be, and you and I were called to be, a representation of who God is. In this generation, and to be overcomers of the plans of hell and all of the plans that the devil has for this earth and, and, and for people that are in my family and for people that are around me. You see, Isaiah 40, 40, Isaiah 40 21 and 22 says this Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? The Lord sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Isaiah 41 again, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. You see, God had chosen the children of Israel. And God had chosen you. You didn't come and say, I'm the chosen, I'm chosen. No, God chose you. God had chosen these people as his own. And he had led them, folks. Remember the story. He led them from a captivity of 400 year bondage. He led them from. He heard their cries for help. He came to help them. And sometimes it probably felt like God didn't hear them. It probably felt that, can God help us in this situation? It probably felt like, does it matter if I pray? It probably felt like, maybe he doesn't see me anymore. But God made a promise to Abraham. When you read back in that scripture, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham... I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky. 
But I'm also going to, they're also going to go through bondage. But when they go through that bondage, I'm going to hear them and I'm going to come back and I am going to rescue them and I am going to bring them back into that promised land. And Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Now the Bible says, Surely they may forget, but God says, Yet I will not forget you. Because God made a promise. I'm going to give you so many descendants, he said Abraham. And I'm going to bring your people back to the promised land. You see, if we're going to stand fearless today, we have to stand first with faith that God is who he says he is. And we have to believe the promises that God has spoken over us in his word to help us in our time of need, knowing that he's in control. Now, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4 says this, his divine power has given us some of the things we need. No, it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it says through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Now Paul simply says this, Peter, he really leaves us with no excuse because he's saying right here, right now, despite your feelings, despite your circumstances, you are fully, fully equipped to lead the life that God has called you to. Now some of us may be struggling with sin here today. Some of us are probably struggling with spiritual weakness. Some of us might be struggling with apathy, and we're going to be talking about that tonight, about apostasy and the great falling away. But if I ask you the question, even if you're struggling with all these things, according to this verse, are we missing anything? Are we missing something? Have we been left unequipped with God or by God? Have we not been given everything that we need to lead the, guy, the life that God has called us to? And Peter's answer is very, very simple. We're not missing anything. We're not missing anything. We're fully equipped. But we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice to use the spiritual tools that God has given us. We have a choice to believe the promises or not. We have a, a choice to walk by faith and to believe. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people. Listen to him now. This is God speaking. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And that simply means that you and I, we belong to God. And what belongs to God, he's going to protect and he's going to keep. There's so many times when I look back in my life, I was like, and I, and I doubted God. But yet God was so faithful. So faithful. I mean, there's so many stories that I could just tell you one after another where there's some that I believed God, but there were some that I just didn't believe that God was in control. But yet God did it anyway. Because he seems to give and give and give all the time. Isaiah 49, 16 says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are ever before me. God simply says, see. He calls us to look at him. He says, look, I've got you on the palms of my hands. And if you're on the palms of my hands, then you're in my hands. What could possibly happen to you? 
Remember in the book of John, Jesus said, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And there's no man that's able to pluck them out of my hand and out of my Father's hand. You see, because God is hes not distant. Even sometimes we feel that we might not be hearing from God. Things might be silent. But you have to understand, God is not distant. He's not a concept or something made up in our minds, I guess constructed, so to speak, so that we have something to worship here on Sunday morning. Like some useless idol. He's the living, all-powerful, sovereign, miracle-working God. That's who he is. And he's well in control of anything and everything. And he's revealed himself to us. He just didn't leave us, just leave us here, give us a word and just leave us. He revealed himself to us in his word. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And you notice, the, I think the first five words in that verse is key. I want to know Christ. There's some people that don't want to know Christ. There's some people that don't want anything to do with God. There's some people that go to church that don't want anything to do with God. They just want to kind of add God to their life. But it's just a form of godliness. It has no power. It has no strength. It, has, it doesn't have anything that it needs to be able to get you through what you need to get through. Isaiah speaks of it when he, he's, he's talking to the children of Israel and he says, call on your idols. Ask them. Ask them to do something for you. Ask them to provide what you need to get through your trials and your struggles. Ask them to foretell the future. They can't do it because they're not real. Yet a lot of times we'll substitute the glory and the goodness and the kindness of God for mere idols. You see, we're not called to be anything but declarers of the praises of God. Standing fearless and bringing every thought that tries to raise itself above the concept of God in our lives into captivity. Under the authority of Christ. And to be a testimony and a witness and the, for the goodness and the might and the power of God. I had to do it again this morning. Pastor Mona texted me this morning and said, I'm praying for you. And you know what? The first thing that comes to get me every time I have to come up here to preach is, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. What are you doing? And sometimes there's a strong man inside of me. When Pastor Mona was up here uh, praising this morning and asking us to praise, he said, lift up your hands. And there's a strong man sometimes that says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But we have to overcome these things. We have to have faith and we have to believe the promises of God and we have to fight these things. Because we'll ever be the same if we don't. And we have to lift our hands and praise the King of Kings. You see, when we exercise faith and we believe the promises of God and we apply the truth of God's word to our lives, we stand fearless in that position of spiritual authority. And that spiritual authority, I'm telling you, it demolishes any plans that the devil has for you and for the people that are surrounding you. Because God comes in. And we, when we learn to see how much truly God is in control of all things, man, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't matter what you're going through. When you put your faith and you believe the promises of God, you're able to do, every, you're, you're just able to do life. You're able to put everything aside and say, God, whatever happens, happens because you're in control. You're weaving it all together. Now, Hebrews 11, I love that chapter. Listen. 
I know it's redundant, and I, when I was reading this message to my wife, she kind of like, <sighs> because, but Hebrews 11, come on. <laughs> he, I mean, it's, but it's by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken from life. He didn't even experience death. It says, by faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. By faith, it says, the people of Israel, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, my goodness, by faith, Gideon stood up against armies that were much bigger than his. By faith, it says, these people believed the promises of God. They stood fearless. It says, they shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. My goodness, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was thinking this morning, I would have loved to have a, just a chair and a bowl of popcorn and watch that scenario unfold, you know? I mean, they're standing there fearless. Fearless. They're about to be thrown into this fire. And they, just think if we, if we did that today, you know, we have financial problems and we have people that are giving us trouble and we're getting trouble at work and sometimes we can't even stand on our two legs spiritually but these men they're getting ready to be thrown into a fire a real fire and they said go ahead go ahead make the fire hotter throw us in we know that our god can help us we know that our god is with us even if he doesn't rescue us we're not going to bow we will not bow to the idols. We will not bow to you, O king. And that's our God. He's with us. And we know the rest of the story. They throw him in and they look in. They throw three people in, but there's four people in there. Isn't that great? I love that. I love that. God just like, how you doing, guys? You know, how you doing, guys? Like, it's like it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, the other night I was sitting by the fire and I went down, downstairs and there was a paper towel laying on the floor so I picked it up and I threw it in the, in the fire and I came back about 15 minutes later and that, that paper towel was still sitting there on, in the fire and it wasn't burning and I was like, how is it possible? And that's why God started to remind me. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? God's in control of all things. It doesn't matter what we think should happen. It doesn't matter what we think can happen or will happen. God's in control. God can do all things and he can transform all things to work out for his plans and for his glory. Because that's our God. And when we stand fearless, you experience the power and the might and the goodness of God. So that only, I guess the only variable, I guess you could say, that ever changes in whether or not we live powerful lives to the glory of God, the only variable that changes in all of that is you and I. That's the only variable. Because the Bible says God is the same yesterday, He's the same today, and we know He's going to be forever the same tomorrow. So we're the only variables that change in there. So you see, this chapter in Hebrews is what God has called us to be as His people. We're called not to cower in the face of adversity or circumstances, but we're to seek a God that's in control. Because when we seek a God who's in control, we're... we're we're given the precious opportunity to carry the testimony of the all-powerful living God to the world around us. But sadly, a lot of the church is much beaten up today. That's, that's the reality. It's in a fight that we're losing. Men and women are not standing fearless today, 
They're huddled in a corner, whimpering at the threats of the devil and bowing to every lie that comes out of his mouth because of what we take as reality. You see, we can't stand fearless and continue to bow to our idols, can we? Because you can't bow for two things at the same time. You only can bow for one thing at a time. So, for example, if we're bowing to fear, then the promises that God says that he's going to help us and he's going to keep us, they're not branded on our hearts. And we walk in unbelief to that promise, and what happens is we stay bound. I know, I've been through a lot of it. We, we just stay bound. We stay exactly where we are. Psalms 34, 4 says, David said, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Now, it doesn't say that David didn't have any fears. He said he had fears, but he didn't bow to it. He didn't let those fears tie him up. You see, he went straight to the source. He said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. In life, we're going to have fears. In life, there's going to be things that are going to come against us. It's a guarantee. As soon as you give your life to Christ, there's going to be things that come against you. Because the Bible says we're not standing and we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the principalities and the darkness of this dark world. But David said, no, I sought the Lord. And David said, I'm going to stand fearless. In Psalms 21, uh, 27, 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Fear is not my stronghold, David said in my life. The Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I be afraid? You see, the only way that we bow to the lies of the devil is that we, we've, forgotten, we've forgotten who God is. We've forgotten the sovereignty of God. We've forgotten the power of God, his might, his miracle-working power to do as he pleases. God's not bound by anything. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by circumstances. It's not like he's up in heaven or just, you know, in, just near us saying, oh, there's a curve. There's, God doesn't get curveballs. God doesn't get knocked off his throne. God is in complete control of all things. I just put in my notes here, I put his... Miracle working power to do as he pleases to change any and every circumstance that surrounds our lives, including a hard heart. Including a hard heart. There was many years I didn't want anything to do with God. I was mad at God. I didn't think he was doing things according to the way that I wanted to go. He wasn't helping me the way I thought he should help me. He wasn't figuring things out the way I think that my life should have went. So my heart got really, really hard. But God loves us so much. Oh my gosh, he loves us so much. That not even a hardened heart can stand in his presence and stay hard. You know, when God comes with the fullness of his glory and his mercy, he just comes. And I don't know exactly how he does it, but his presence just comes and everything just seems to melt away. And we fall back in love with a Savior who loves us. And we understand that we're back into the safety of a loving God who cares for us and we get to hold his hand again and walk through life. You see, when a believer in Christ is not standing in his position of spiritual authority, a lot of things spiral out of control in our lives. Our devotional life spirals out of control. Our prayer life spirals out of control. Even our relationship with God spirals out of control. And it, really what it does is it takes a back seat to whatever we find more important than what God sees as important. 
That's what happens when we let go of God's hand and we go our own way. And we don't stand fearless anymore. You see, a lot of times what happens is we forget about God. Now, I know, folks, that even the strongest person gets tired. That's true. But God's power and God's strength never diminish, ever. And he's never too tired, never too busy to help and to listen, ever. Because God sees all things, he knows all things, and he's in control of all things. And that's why he says, do not fear. And we can bank on his reputation. God's never broken a promise. He's never lost a battle. There's nothing too great, and there's nothing that's too heavy for his hands, ever. You see, we have the God-given authority to stand fearless. You heard it from Peter a while ago. God has given you all the promises, everything that you need. He's fully equipped each and every one of us to stand fearless against anything that comes against anything in our life that tries to destroy our testimony and tries to stop us from moving forward. And I'm coming to a close. You see, when David walked into the Israelite camp, remember when he was a boy and he walked into the Israelite camp? Saul and his whole army had a form of godliness. But it had no power, it had no authority to move them forward against the Philistine army that they stood before. Because they limited God. That's what they did. They limited God. And they believed he was just like any other God, really. It kept them bound, and it kept them from moving forward. It kept them believing lies about God. For example, it kept them... If I say they believe lies about God, it's because, you see... Our actions show what we believe. So if I'm standing in a place of fear, if I'm standing in a place where I simply am afraid and I'm not believing the promises, well, I'm saying a lot about what my faith is about God. And I'm taking God and lowering him, really, to everything else. And it kept them bound from moving forward, believing lies about God, and it kept them listening to the same harassment from their enemies day after day after day. But here comes David. He's a confident young boy, and he has faith that God is on his side. And he simply believes with a childlike faith in the promises that God has spoken over them. And he exercised what he knew to be true. And he stood fearless in the face of a giant. And he just said simple words, really. He said, I come and I stand against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And we have the same God. So you know when my strong man tries to stand up, I'm learning now just to simply say that. I stand against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not going to predict what I'm going to do today. And you're not going to have rule over my life because Christ died for this. And it's done and it's settled. Because God wants to help you stand fearless again. God wants us all to stand fearless again. So what do we do? There's a few things. There's only a few things that I know what to do. And Pastor Moan and Pastor Glenn speak it all the time. And it's really, when we come to salvation, we do the exact same thing over again. We recognize our sin. Be honest with God about your spiritual condition. Be honest with God with what's happening in your life. Confess your sin. 
confess any rebellion, confess, if you're not believing the promises of God, then simply confess it. And we simply agree with God about our state of brokenness. And then we repent. You know, we turn back to God and away from the things that are harming us and the things that are driving a wedge between us, between us and God. And you surrender. Now, surrender is an act of faith, folks. It means you have to let go of control and you have to trust God. You have to, you have to trust somebody bigger than yourself. Despite what's going on around you, despite what you're seeing as your reality, you have to understand there's a God outside of that that can fix all things and do all things. And you know, someone said, surrender is a decisive blow to the flesh. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me. In other words, God, I want you in control. And then you stand firm. You stand firm and you stand fearless knowing that God has covered your sin. He's made you right before God. And you begin to say like David, when the giants of your life stand up and they begin to harass you, you simply say, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And I'm not going to bow to you. Because I have this spiritual authority given to me through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross, that I don't need to bow to you anymore. God is with us. And when you do that, God, God promises in Isaiah 41, 10 to 13, and I'll close with this. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. I love verse 12. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, do not fear, I will help you because God is in control. I have just a two-minute video. We probably all saw it before, but a little old lady speaking of the promises of God and how she lives her life day to day believing God. And she's, I'm going to let her finish this, uh, this session and I'll ask Pastor Moore to come up if she has uh, a song or something. top of my Bible, Esther, do not limit God. Do you know who he is? Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> the almighty, powerful God. 
This is what Isaiah says. <laughs> to whom will you liken me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Esther, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings out one after another, calling each one by name. And he counts them to see that none are lost or strayed away. Oh, Israel, no Jennifer, no Esther. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Imagine saying, can God help me with this? He is so almighty, powerful, great. There's a song that's so beautiful. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. His love, his, his love has no limit. His power has no limit. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. He's the great giver, and there's nothing too hard for him. Don't give up. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on praying. He's listening. He's listening. That's, that's really good. Thanks, Mom. Oh, my goodness. I listened to this woman, and... See, that's what the Word of God does. Mm -hmm. To stand fearless, we must go back to truth. This woman quoted one scripture after another without looking. She spoke from a place of life, even though she must be in her 80s. It's really, truly about where are we going when we are stuck? Where do we go to find the clarity and the reality of how are we going to get through the mud? You know, just this week, just going through what I had gone through, I, the wave was so high, I went, oh God, I can't seem to push through this. And I did exactly what the scripture said. Look up to your Lord, who is your rock. And Psalm 144 was what God had shared with me. And he said, you know, Mona, if you make me your rock, I will train your hands for war. I will train your fingers to do battles and the people's will be subdued under you. 
And then he went on and he goes on about who he is. And at the end of that, he says, so you do not have to fear that your walls will be breached. You do not have to fear that you will stay in captivity. And you will not hear a cry of distress if you make me my rock. Make you, make him, my, make me your rock when you're going through what you're going through. So where are you going? What are you choosing as your rock? This is what God has been showing us over and over again. Beloved, we cannot do this without the Word of God. The Word is what brings me forward, even though the waves of emotions are horrible. And the mind, the battle is intense. But it is the Word that causes me to stand. And I just go through it over and over again until the wave gets subdued by my mighty God. I'm going to ask Maya to come. I know you guys want to stand fearless in the days to come. Some of you have pushed aside the word of God. You have not waited or sought him because maybe some funky thoughts like Doug was saying he feels unworthy being here. We're all unworthy. That's where grace comes in. It's undeserving. So if I come to him in a place of humility and say, Oh God, he says, Here, take my hand. Our God will never disappoint us. He will never fail us. I want to sing to him as our king. I'm going to sing Hail to the King. It's just a little chorus that we brought this morning. You want to get out of your mud, out of that spiritual you know, just the head games that are going on and the waves of the emotions that overwhelm you so much that it defines you. Let's worship the king. So as we worship the king, for those that need to leave, that's good, you can. But I want to worship the king and we're going to go right into what a beautiful name he is. Because he has no rivals, beloved. This is our king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.